Good morning, good morning. Just like college game day, we are here on the road, or maybe it's just me today. I don't really know, but welcome in to week 12, the tailgate, brought to you by campuscamp.com. Um, there are a bunch of faces on here that I'm going to be honest, I did not realize we're going to be on here. I don't think that <laughs> new either, judging <laughs> by the message he just left for everybody in the chat. Um, but it's great to see so many smiling faces. We we're we're really bringing it for for semifinal week here, guys. Right? How 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 are we doing today, Felix? You've got a look on your face like you're just ready for the day. I'm unemployed. Even better. All right, Brandon, over to you. No. <laughs> Everybody looks very smiley today. This might be the most awake we've been. I think the extra hour helped all of us. I, I really, really think that. Um, well, well, regardless, guys, you know the deal here. We are ready to get you ready for all things college football today. Our first hour today going to help you with your CFF lineup. Second hour, DFS, betting, all of that good stuff. Let's talk about some games that already happened, though, guys, because some people might have woken up this morning and uh, already been very happy or very upset with their scores. We had some action all week. Chris, I'm just going to come right to you. You're you're the go-to guy for Bryant Kobach. He, Is that a Bryant Kobach jersey, by the way? It looks like muted. one. Muted it's Chris Watson. Yeah, Gibbs. Oh, almost. They're basically the same player, right? <laughs> I would say Gibbs a discount Bryant Kobach, but yeah. I mean, his performance, Chris. I mean, another big one here through the playoffs: 21 carries, 203 yards. Four touchdowns. You're feeling pretty good if you started him this week, right? Of course. Um, I mean, I don't know what more you can say about him at this point. Like, he's just tearing up the matching schedule. He was pretty good in the non-matching schedule. Like, I still think he's an NFL back, even if he's a day. I mean, he's probably a day three guy. Let's be let's be honest. But I mean, I think I still think he's a guy who's going to get drafted. I expect him to yeah, be a player. Had some good games against good opposition here over the past few yeah. years as well. I mean, they played Notre Dame this year, and he didn't look out of place. Um, and they're supposed to be a good defense year in, year out. Um, so I guess, okay, no one no one got that excited about that Brian Kobach stat line. What about new Lou Nichols? Can, if I, can I sell you on some Lou Nichols here, guys? 32 carries, 219 yards, three touchdowns. Fantasy MVP for the playoffs here, right, guys? I mean, Colin, just the stretch run that he's having right now is crazy. Yeah, this is this is insane. If you have him, if you've had him for like the past six weeks, where he's gone for no less than 160 all-purpose yards in every single week, and multiple touchdowns each week, I mean, you're you're riding him into your championship right now. I I would be surprised. The rest of your team would have to be subpar for him to not have carried you pretty far here. And then 219 yards, three touchdowns this week. Another really solid week. I mean, he's. He's a sweet summer child of yours. And for, for campus to Canton leagues, I think Lou Nichols is not just a fantasy darling. He is headed towards getting day two draft capital. He has the requisite size. He's obviously a workhorse. Um, now, he might share uh, uh, time when Kobe Lewis comes back next year. But if I have Lou Nichols, he's not someone I'm at all like trading at the end of the seat at the end of. Uh, a regular season next year if I'm not making the playoffs and trying to get draft picks for. I mean, I think you guys would agree that he is someone who could get day two draft capital, be drafted in the third round, and potentially be an NFL work. I mean, I don't think that that's a hyperbole to say that he could be a workhorse at the next level too. 
he's he's draft eligible this year so like we assume he's not coming out right like this is his third year he's so. also lift, listed as a redshirt freshman on their website yes. for whatever that's worth so yeah. his first, uh, is this his third year yes. yeah he, his first year is 2019 so you would think if he's getting day two capital that someone in his, in his year um on the committee saying hey like you're going day two you're probably not getting higher than that at any point especially if kobe lewis comes back kobe lewis kobe whatever his name is um no, comes back it. yeah there we go um i mean i really like him i have a lot of lou nickels but i don't know if he's a day two guy i think he's like an early round four guy who is like a one b like a productive one b in a committee maybe i think he's an nfl player too i just don't know if he's going day two yeah, well, they, Felix they, they won't say it. I will. Detroit, Michigan, stand up. Mount Pleasant, stand up. Yeah, Colin. Geez, get your get your Detroit suburbs together, you idiot. Sorry, it I don't says know Detroit, where Luke Michigan Nichols is from, but well, I'll, that's just, I'm saying where Central Michigan is. Oh, okay. I didn't know where Kobe Lewis is from. Yeah, I have his, I have, uh, his birth certificate pulled up here. It says Detroit, Michigan. Gotcha. gotcha. Shoot me over his social in the chat, Colin, um, and we can move on from there. All right, guys maybe the best stat line so far you got a quarterback performance and a running back performance all in one on thursday night when malik cunningham showed up against duke malik cunningham versus the world guys 18 for 25 passing 303 yards five passing touchdowns but wait there's more 11 carries 224 yards and two touchdowns in most formats he got you at least 65 points i've heard as high as 70 or 80 depending on kind of scoring format there bonus points awarded for yardage maybe i have him in a league and i feel like i'm already through i mean uh, brandon have you uh how, how are you feeling about malik cunningham did you did you come up against that buzzsaw at all no luckily i did not come up against him i don't have him anywhere so um you know i could just enjoy his performance without it it um you know killing my teams or anything but uh, I, I did start Jalen Mitchell somewhere. He did get a touchdown, but I, I wish uh, Cunningham could have given him some of those rushing yards. He was not sharing at all. No, um, not at all. He, he was not in the mood for that. Somebody posted that he, in basically three quarters of football, basically did what Tim Boyle did in his entire final three seasons of college or final 15 games or something. So uh, good luck this weekend to Felix's Detroit Lions. Um, Matt. Do you, does Malik Cunningham have potential beyond college? I mean, real potential. I mean, I think he's going to probably get some sort of opportunity around around the NFL. But, I mean, are you buying kind of this this uh, slightly growing narrative that, that there's something there for the future? No, because, I mean, if if, if we're not going to believe in Desmond Ritter getting second-round second round draft capital and being anything, uh -huh. then no, I don't think Malik Cunningham will be there. I mean, I think he can land in the league and be a – a backup quarterback because of what he can do with his legs. Uh, but I, I don't know that he's that accurate of a passer. I, I think I'd actually take Ritter uh, passing wise over Cunningham, but I take definitely take Cunningham's leg and athletic ability over Ritter. So I, I don't think that he'd be much of any, anything but a backup in the NFL. Backup quarterbacks matter though. Right. Um, so, I mean, that could be, you know, intriguing there. Um, they really, really do. They really, really do. It's the most yes, absurd look at Tim argument. Boyle. The most absurd argument that Matt's ever made. <laughs> and you guys fought over if you'd rather have a million dollars or like uh, it's, uh, we're not going to five hundred thousand dollars. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're, 
All right, Felix is muted. We're going to move on here before we rehash that. Um, all right, guys. Um, there were a couple games last night. Max Borgie had a big night. Uh, if you have him and started him, I believe we told you to on Campus Life this week. You're probably sitting pretty there. Um, uh, some other decent performances in that game, uh, but nothing necessarily to write home about. So let's talk about today on games for the day. Do this every week. Oh, Matthew. Wow. You really scrambled and got that together. Big, big kudos to Matt, who has done all of the graphics here for our show this week, um, mostly early in the morning um, because people change up on him. Um, so let's let's start here, guys. Michigan State at Ohio State. This one's a no brainer for me. I'm taking the Buckeyes, you know, maybe not in a blowout necessarily, but I think this is a fairly comfortable, you know, they keep it at like 10 to 14 for most of the game there. My next, yeah, I have Ohio State here as well. I think it is going to be fairly close uh, for most of the game, but Ohio State's just too explosive of an offense, um, and I think they're starting to get it together here on defense. Colin getting caught sleeping. Uh, his next what? My next, uh, I'm taking Ohio State to win this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but guys post a 50-burger today. They're going to they're gonna smash Michigan State. Yeah, Ohio's going to win this one. I'm taking the Buckeyes, but I disagree with Moxley. They're not going to destroy Michigan State. Matt's such a self-hating Buckeye fan. It's really? honestly really, <laughs> really fun. Um, Iowa State at Oklahoma, noon kickoff here today. Um, Oklahoma bounces back. Oklahoma bounces back. Iowa State, they're nothing special. They're, so I, I think this is a, a, a comfortable Sooner win. They're, they're going to be back on the right track here. Yeah, I'm with you there. I have Oklahoma here as well. I think Oklahoma needs to get back on track here this week. Um, and Iowa State is not what we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. Lincoln Riley, get Kennedy Brooks and uh, Caleb Williams involved in the running game, and you'll be fine. I'm taking OU in this one if to get back on track. Mm. Yeah, I I don't trust this Iowa State offense. Um, Oklahoma's defense is much better than it has been in recent weeks. Um, boomer sooner, baby. Yeah, I have Oklahoma in this one. Um, Iowa State's defense really struggled last week against Texas Tech, so I think Oklahoma's offense gets back on track this week. I agree. Uh, Oklahoma wins in big news. Sam Howell not playing today on the sideline in street clothes. A soft drink with a very long straw, as many people have been pointing out in our Discord. That seems to be the the big takeaway there from that picture. SMU at Cincinnati. Guys, maybe this is wishful thinking. I am tired of talking about Cincinnati, a team that I think was better last year than they are this year. And that's just the nature of these G5 teams is you kind of have to be good two years in a row to start getting that consideration. Cincinnati hasn't. They beat Notre Dame, a team that I think is solidly overrated beyond that they really haven't played well in a while i think smu beats them today and cincinnati's a little banged up on defense they had a couple guys leave that game last week i don't know exactly what all their statuses are but regardless yeah i i'm taking cincinnati or smu here i think that i think they beat cincinnati and their playoff hopes sorry bearcats yeah i'm gonna disagree there i think it's i think it's cincinnati i think cincinnati won just the better team cincinnati also knows they need this game they cannot afford to mess up all year. I think their veteran leadership is going to get them through this one. Uh, and like I said, just a better team. Give me Cincinnati. 
Yeah, but since or excuse me, SMU is a team that's emerging. They get Ulysses Bentley back, who's been injured um, part of the season. I I I think that there are too many um, options to stop for SMU's defense and I or SMU's offense, excuse me. And I think uh, they pull off the upset, and so we can stop talking about Cincy. I would love to. <laughs> when you don't this, put your picks on the sheet, you get who I decide you pick. This is this is that. Matt's Joker backstory. This is his, his, this is how he uh he went he went bad here. This this morning show. It really is. Um, I like SMU to win personally. I'm tired of talking about Cincy as well, but I don't think that they do. I think the biggest mismatch in this matchup is. The Cincinnati's pass rush and SMU's ability to pass block. Pass blocking 121st for SMU. Since he's uh, pass rush is third in the country, I don't think Tanner Mordecai is going to have the time to throw. And um, Cincinnati or SMU's defense is quite poor in coverage. They're a bottom 10 unit and they are one of the worst tackling teams in the country. It's going to be hard to tackle Jerome Ford and assuming he's back and Desmond Ritter. So I, it's, I don't really see a path for uh, SMU this week. I also have Cincinnati, and I'm glad you brought up Jerome Ford. Have we heard if he's going to play today? There's still no news. I just I just was looking to see. Well, that is unfortunate, but I still have Cincinnati. I think they will, you know, find a way to, to win to keep their uh, you know playoff hopes alive, as slim as they might be. I agree. I think it's going to be a really good game, really close. But I, I've I've got Desmond Ritter. He's going to put it on his shoulders. He's going to come up with a big win. You know, Colin mentioned earlier, Danny Gray still in a boot. If he doesn't play, then you've got Sauce Gardner on either Rashi Rice or Reggie Roberson, which only gives them one other target. I think this defense is just a little bit better with the pass rush and everything. I think Mordecai has a decent game, but Cincinnati comes away with a big win. You guys are underselling my guy, Dylan Goffney. Dylan Goffney, remember the name. Going to have a big day today. You heard it here first. Um, next game here, guys, Arkansas at Alabama, 3.30 kickoff. We got one of these midday games. Give me Bama. Give me Bama. Arkansas, they went from extremely overrated to extremely underrated, and now they're probably somewhere in the middle. Um, But I just think Alabama's better. Yeah, give me Bama. Just a case of a better team here. I think Arkansas is going to be pretty overmatched. Roll time! Chris I think that's all the analysis. That's my that's my analysis. Yeah. Yeah, Bama. I don't necessarily think this game's gonna end up being very close. Agreed, Alabama. Somehow Chris Moxley had even less analysis than I did. He just put up his gun on. So he just said, Yeah. Yeah. Oregon at Utah, guys. Our last game we're picking here for today, and then we're gonna kick this over to Alfred for our second hour. Oregon at Utah, 7.30 p.m. kickoff. This is a late one. Um, preview of the Pac-12 championship game here, perhaps. Uh, I am going to take Utah, uh, but I think this is going to be a pretty close game. You know, Utah is going to try to establish the run there. I think Oregon um, is decent against it. So it'll it'll be very interesting to see how that chess match kind of plays out. But I do think Oregon's going to struggle to move the ball a little bit today. So it's going to be a lower scoring one, I think. Uh, give me Utah in this this first matchup between the two. Yeah, I think that you're right. This is going to be a low-scoring game here. But I like Oregon as a team uh, just a little bit better. I like Oregon's defense. 
I think they're going to be able to pull this one out. Give me Oregon. I think uh, Utah. You, uh, if Utah wins, <laughs> if Utah wins, they throw some chaos into the <laughs> into the playoff ranking. And so that's what I'm hoping for. And so I'm taking. Don't pay attention to that O in the corner. I'm taking the Utes. Yeah, I I have Utah as well. Uh, I actually think they're a good matchup against Oregon. They uh, they're 16th in rushing success rate. Oregon ranks 74th on defense. They're eighth in line yards. Oregon Oregon ranks 46th. Um, and then when we get to the secondary, uh, or we get to the once you get past the line of scrimmage of Oregon, they're in 107th in tackling. Um, they're in 99th in coverage. Cameron Rising's actually been really solid like he's been one of the better quarterbacks in the country when he when he's healthy and playing um i like utah I, and i think we finally see oregon go down because they're not as good as they, they're not as good as their record give me the ducks quack quack i'm taking utah cameron rising austin's guy has been playing really good he played la- um i think he was actually really good last week one week austin said to sit him as he wasn't sure and he came out and actually ended up playing a good game oregon is going down utah has been coming up i think utah gets this win fairly easily today actually i just think they're the overall better team setting up for a rematch in the pac-12 championship in a couple weeks yeah that that'll be a good one to look forward to all right guys that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in here with us this week. Hopefully you make it through. We catch you again next week. It is Campus to Canton presents Coast to Coast. We're coming for you live. Week 12 is finishing up. It has truly been a chaotic season. The playoff race is shaping into its final form. Oregon goes down at Utah. Sparty is absolutely demolished, demolished today in Columbus, and Bryce Young goes berserk. But before we get into any of that, we need you guys to jump in the chat. Hit that subscribe button. button. Let us know what performances you were most impressed by today. But we start week 12 the same way we start every week with the rundown. Let's jump right into it with Iowa State at Oklahoma. Don't let this score fool you. This was an offensive struggle largely after scoring a 74-yard run. Scoring on a 74-yard run. Caleb Williams finished just 8 for 18 through the air, even considering that 74-yard run. He only had 67 yards on the ground, obviously, because college football considers sacks. OU continues to emphasize the deep passing game, these long-developing plays. I complained about it last week on Coast to Coast against Baylor. They did the same thing today. Caleb Williams is holding on to the ball entirely, entirely too long. They do not move with the pocket. They do not uh, utilize enough read option or quarterback uh, power, in my opinion. Those runs that change the math in your favor, given the quarterback is, isn't a negative when you're considering blocking assignments. So I am – they uh, OU won the game. But I do not understand Lincoln Riley's game plan for Caleb Williams. He is calling a Spencer Rattler playbook. He's calling calling Spencer Rattler plays 
for Caleb Williams. That is something that eventually is going to need to get corrected so that you can utilize Caleb Williams' mobility, mobility intentionally. Oftentimes when he's running, he is doing it because the play breaks down. These are not designed runs. You didn't get anything from Marvin Mims. Mario Williams scored, but you didn't get a lot from him. Jadon Hazelwood, Mike Woods, not to mention Eric Gray, who is an absolute afterthought in this offense. Kennedy Brooks was good. They ran for over 200 yards today, but with an, if with an OU uh, offense, you expect to see points, them lighting up the scoreboard. They haven't done that since the bye week, and that's just it's it's uh, problematic for Oklahoma. Let's go over to Iowa State. Brock Purdy was ineffective early, and he would end up being pulled for Hunter Deckers, who immediately led a touchdown drive. Uh, Purdy would end up finishing 30 for 43 for 281 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I think he is a future NFL backup. Let's also note that that's the second time in a big spot that Brock Purdy has been pulled for Hunter Deckers. He was pulled earlier in the season when Iowa State played Iowa, and, uh, and Iowa State's offense was ineffective. Um, Brees Hall, 19 for 58 on the ground. I think Brees Hall is what he is at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if we see we saw Brees Hall skip the bowl game. Um, they're not playing for the playoffs. Injury could just really hurt him. He is a day two draft pick in all likelihood. Um, Charlie Kohler catches fire late, 12 for 152 and one. Uh, I think OU had some blown coverages because he was finding himself. He made some tough catches, but he was also finding himself uh, wide open, including on a late fourth down. I think that now's the time to sell Charlie Kohler if you have him in C2Cs. I don't think he's a, a uh, NFL tight end at all. All right, let's move on here to Arkansas at Alabama. This was a really good game with some good performances, starting with, of course, Bryce Young. And we can we are running out of superlatives for Bryce Young, who threw for over 500 yards today, almost 600, 559, five touchdowns. Uh, no interceptions, unfortunately, had that six for negative 11 on the ground. The spreadsheet simps are going to be on him. Uh, but he is absolutely the quarterback one in Debbie in campus to Canton. Um, very talented player. And I think the uh, Russell Wilson comparisons are spot on. He just has, has he has cat like reflexes when the pressure is bearing down on him in the pocket. Jamison Williams. The transfer goes for, oh, he had three touchdowns today, was continually continuing to get behind the defense on slants, on deep routes. Jamison Williams is headed straight for first-round draft capital. If we're looking... Alan True said he, he, run, he ran a 10-6, 100-meter uh, dash in high school. That's pretty damn fast. And if he's a per, improved on that, he could be a sub-4-4 guy. NFL teams are going to like that speed. Let's talk a little bit about Jamin, or excuse me, uh, Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks had himself a game today. Um, 150 yards receiving, a couple of touchdowns, was also playing hurt. I think that this game definitely boosted his stock. It was a great, if you have 2022 draft picks in Dynasty Leagues, today was a great day for those picks. Not necessarily for the running backs, but for the wide receivers. When you consider Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Traylon Burks and Jamison Williams, those players had excellent, excellent days today. So if you have 2022 
uh, draft picks. You saw their stock increase today. So good day for 2022 draft picks. Matt Bruning, let's bring you in here. Ohio State took down one half of Michigan, one side of Michigan today, taking down Sparty. That was an absolute shellacking. I mean, talk about quarterback performances. Bryce Young had a day today. C.J. Stroud had a day today. Yeah, I guess I should start off with the apology I posted on Twitter as well. I mean, I've been critical of C.J. Stroud, and he is I, I, apparently he's a fan of Debbie Debate. He's a fan of Coast to Coast because uh, he takes what I say to heart, and he goes out there to give me the middle finger just about every Saturday that he plays. He had an amazing game. Let's start, though, with Michigan State, who I've got to give you credit. You said this morning to sit Kenneth Walker. You did not think he was going to be good. I, I said that was wrong. I mean, my God, 25 yards. Uh, that defense, they, they're better than I thought they were going to be. I mean, there was a lot of talk on the broadcast that they were holding Walker back a little bit because he had the 30-plus carries. Walk kind of came out and said that that was not an issue. I don't know what the thing was. They really didn't seem to get him going. They were using the back of Simmons a lot. Peyton Thorne couldn't do anything either in this one. Just 158 yards on the one touchdown. But you mentioned C.J. Stroud. 432 yards and six touchdowns. Most of that coming in the first half. I, I think he locked up the Heisman today. I, mean, I, I don't think uh, it's going to come down to him and Bryce Young. I mean, Bryce Young, as you mentioned, had a really good game. Uh, but I don't know that they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, where I don't know that Wisconsin, who's likely the uh, the winner on the other side of the Big Ten, puts up much of a struggle here or causes the Buckeyes to struggle. And if Stroud goes out and performs well, he's going to end up winning it. Henderson shut, not just a shutdown, but not a great game here, just 63 yards on the ground. But how about these wide receivers who are really helping C.J. Stroud out. JSN, 105 yards and a touchdown. Garrett Wilson, 226. And congratulations to Chris Olave setting the all-time touchdown record at the Ohio State. He got two today, jumps over David Boston. He's likely going to get a couple more before this season's over. Uh, and Boston, I don't know exactly how long. we held that record for quite a while. So congratulations to Chris Olave getting that, especially after, uh, what is that? Was it last year? Two years ago. Uh, the big play that a lot of people held against him as Buckeyes fans, mm-hmm. where he ran the wrong route and caused Justin Simmons, or not Justin Simmons, was it Justin Simmons, uh, to get that uh, the Clemson linebacker slash defensive back to get the interception in the end zone because he he ran the wrong route uh, when Fields threw it into the end zone, causing the Buckeyes to lose that game and possibly go on to uh, more than likely lose to LSU in that uh, in the championship game. But still, uh, a lot of people held that against him. He came back, came back again, and, and he's he's really done a good job. David Boston famously owned by Charles Woodson in 1998. Let's move on here to SMU in Cincinnati. We thought that this could be a trap spot for Cincinnati. SMU's offense has been very, very good, but Cincinnati was just overpowering today. Yeah, I mean, some people thought it was going to be a trap spot. Not your boy, Matty B here, who's probably the biggest Cincinnati fan in the world at this point because I just can't can't get enough fighting with Twitter trolls that they deserve to be in the playoffs. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, our guy, Mike Valeri, FF Dirty Birds, Mike, I think is what his Twitter is, uh, was kind of like hosting and, and, and hoping Tanner Mordecai could get in that Heisman race. Throwing for 66 yards ain't going to get you there. Uh, that way, he was really shut down by Cincinnati here. That defense, I mean, they were swarming all over the place. It's like they were reading all the headlines that they didn't deserve to be in the playoffs, and they finally came out. They shut everybody down. I mean, Sigurds just 64 yards on the ground, one touchdown. Bentley just 66. Rasheed Rice uh, with Gray being hurt was kind of like the go-to wide receiver. 21 yards, did get a touchdown. 
How about Desmond Ritter? I mean, again, you know, your boy here is is, is touting him a whole bunch. 274 yards to three through the air, uh, 46 yards and one touchdown on the ground, and he also had a receiving touchdown. What can't this kid do? Let's get him in the NFL. He's going to start for some team. All kidding aside, Ritter had a game. A lot of people were saying that they were going to lose, uh, and I understand SMU is probably not one of the best teams in in and in college right now they had a really good offense and they had a decent defense and Ritter went out there put this game on his back with that defense and and they took control Jerome Ford had a decent day with 82 on the ground and then the wide receivers Tucker was really big one little I should say little but very fast wide receiver was doing a lot for them there Alec Pierce as well who's gotten a little bit of draft out here and they're not we don't really think that but 39 yards and two great game for Cincinnati I mean they've got we'll talk obviously a little bit more about them later in the show I mean, they have a really good shot to go undefeated. We'll see what happens with them when it comes to the playoffs. Not a second after the broadcast booth said that SMU was starting two true freshman corners. Did they run a double move and score a touchdown on that opening play for Cincinnati? So Cincinnati with Oregon going down, you have to believe that it's going to be Cincinnati in the four spot. We need to talk about that a little bit later. All right, Matt, we appreciate it. We'll get back to you a little bit later in the show. Colin Decker, if you are like me, you rode Sam Hartman, Jakari Roberson, A.T. Perry. You rode these guys to the playoffs, and they definitely let you down today. Yeah, Wake just really struggled to protect Hartman all game this game. You really saw Clemson's defensive front take it to him. Seven sacks, two fumbles, one pick. Uh, held Wake to 27 points, which is their season low. They had been averaging 44.7 points per game before that. Sam Hartman, 27 for 43 for 312, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, A.T. Perry and Roberson saved their fantasy days at least, 5 for 113 and 6 for 93. No touchdowns, though. That hurts a little bit. Um, Another big story there, Clemson's rushing attack goes wild. Mm -hmm. We kind of saw this coming a little bit. Wake is very susceptible on the ground. We saw Ty Chandler eat them up a couple weeks ago. Kobe Pace goes for 191 and 2. Will Shipley 112 and 2 as well. Also has that touchdown pass. Um, you know, Matt wants to talk about what can't Desmond Ritter do? What can't Will Shipley do? Another big story in this one is are we looking at a Bo Collins breakout here? Yeah. Uh, Bo Collins goes for four for 137 and one. And the connection with DJU there was just obvious. Uh, these guys played high school ball together at um, St. Bo- John Bosco uh, in California. And DJU wasn't afraid to throw it up and let Collins go get it. Uh, I was looking at him all game. DJU did not have a great game as we've come to expect pretty much all year. Uh, 247 and one. But it was really looking at Bo Collins there for this one. Uh, we also had the uh, Oregon and Utah game there. Utah dominated all Oregon facets. Oregon and Utah just concluded, uh, well, just concluded a little while ago. Oregon um, suffers its second loss, and that shakes up the playoff rankings. It absolutely does. And these two teams are potentially looking at each other again in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, Utah dominated all facets of this game here in this one. Tavian Thomas went 21 for 94 and 3. TJ Pledger, 10 for 46. He's looking like uh, the backup there to Tavian Thomas. Uh, Brant Keithy went 5 for 118 in this one. He exploded. Cameron Rising, very quiet all night. Just an efficient night of 10 for 18 for 178. 
Uh, big story, though, was the special teams. They had a blocked kick and that big punt return at TD right before the half. I do not know why you even kicked that ball to him, but here we are. Uh, they shut down Oregon's rushing attack all day to this game. Oregon just looked lost. Troy Dye, or Travis Dye, 6 for 29. Byron Cardwell led the team 7 for 35. Uh, Anthony Brown only also only had nine rush yards on the ground. So just a poor offensive effort all around from the rushing attack there. Anthony Brown, 17 for 35 for 231 through the air. Nobody really of note in the passing game. Devin Williams caught a touchdown. Um, Chris Hudson had a huge uh, catch there, but really quiet on the rest of the front there on this one. All right. we uh, Yeah, we're going to talk about how this playoff uh, looks after Oregon's loss today. And should Cincinnati get in? Appreciate it, uh, Colin. All right. Kevin Coleman, we gave you one of the most anticipated West Coast games today. Jackson Dart starting for USC, the fresh, true freshman quarterback that we were all looking forward to, to seeing today. Um, but UCLA dominated this one. Yeah, UCLA kicked USC's ass, 62-33. to 33. Uh, This kind of is a combination of USC just being awful at every facet of the game. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, 16 for 22. He had 349 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, he also had 46 yards rushing and two touchdowns rushing. So he he crushed it uh, for your C2C teams. If you're still in it, I don't know if you had Dorian Thompson-Robinson uh, starting, but he, he did well. He, he played well today. Zach Charbonnet, 28 carries, 167 yards and a touchdown. And we, I was kind of, I was arguing with Damian about this, about what do you see out of him? And I still question his NFL upside, but you can't question what he's been doing at the at UCLA. Like against Pac-12 talent though, again, I struggle with him because I don't know how good he actually is. And I might be a little Michigan bias as Felix knows, but yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think he can be explosive. I don't know there. Now US, UCLA receiving, uh, Cosmere Allen had three receptions, 115 yards and two touchdowns. Kyle Phillips had six catches, 80 yards, and two touchdowns. So that looked good. You know, Dolchitz again, he's kind of been a disappointment this year. He had two catches, 75 yards, but he's just been he's been in and out of it. I don't I don't know where we have him in the tight end rankings. As far as USC goes, Jackson Dart was trying to do a lot. He threw the ball 47 times. He had 325 yards. He did have a touchdown. He had two interceptions, which you kind of expect throwing the ball 47 times. They were playing from behind a lot. The defense with different game scripts there. Uh, you know, him and Gary Bryant Jr. had a hell of a connection. Nine receptions, 161 yards, and a touchdown. Gary Bryant Jr., he's going to be that guy. Like I, I think when we talk about next year, is like, hey, who can emerge from this class? What does that kind of look? I think Gary Bryant... Brian's the guy we got to talk about. Uh, the guy that I can't quit is Keontae Ingram. He's had a pretty quietly, he's had a good year, quite a good year. Like he had 17 carries, 96 yards, but then he also had three catches for 39 yards. So he looks pretty good out there. And from what we've seen uh, the last last few weeks from him, he's probably going to rush for over a thousand yards. He stayed healthy all year. He He's one of the best receiving backs with, with Rashad White of this class. So if you're looking for like a deep guy in the second, third round, Keontae, depending on draft capital, I really like Keontae. Yeah, I, I agree with you on Keontae Ingram. I'm probably not going to have uh, Zach Charbonnet rostered anywhere. I don't have him rostered anywhere now. But in Dynasty Leagues uh, next year, I'm probably not going to roster him. I'll just wait. I'll just take Keontae Ingram. Um, 
All right. Uh, and Jackson Dart had some good throws today, even though statistically he wasn't. He didn't light up the scoreboard. Um, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Now, a couple of interesting storylines in this one. One, Texas Tech, uh, Donovan Smith uh, played very well last last week uh, against TCU. Against right? TCU. Against TCU. Um, and Oklahoma State. I mean, Oklahoma State is now a 10-1 football team. And they have forced Texas Tech to put up, put up a goose egg today. Yeah, you know, they would they would dominate. If they would have choked against Iowa State, we're gonna be talking about him as getting in front of Cincinnati. I mean, the Iowa State loss is bad. Iowa State's okay, but you if you lose to Brock Purdy, you're pretty much done. Uh, but when you're looking at Oklahoma State, what's they done this year? Spencer Sanders, uh, you know, he had 1937, 239 yards, one touchdown. He also had six carries and 48 yards in the touchdown. He looked okay. Uh, Jalen Warren didn't really do much. 12, 12 carries, 37 yards. Dominic Richardson, though, he had 20 carries, 84 yards there. They spread around a lot. You know, Tay Martin, seven receptions, 130 yards. Uh, Blaine Green, three catches, 46 yards. Uh, so it was a pretty dominant win from the defensive side. Offensively, they did just enough to kind of compete. Uh, and it looks pretty good there. Texas Tech, though, Donovan Smith was bad. 9 for 28, 83 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Sirajic Thompson, I know a lot of people had him up there, five carries, 12 yards. Geiger, you know, one carry, 10 yards. Braham Morton didn't look great either. Uh, really nothing from the receiving. This is one of the worst offensive outputs that we saw from Texas Tech all year. Uh, they're not very good either. So, you know, Oklahoma State, I think – they are going to go to a high seed bowl game. Uh, but if they would have just beat Iowa State, we'd be talking about them being maybe, could they be ahead of Cincinnati? And I think we would be maybe mentioning that, as much as Matt doesn't want to admit that. I watched this game too. Donovan Smith was finding one-on-one situations, throwing it up to wide receivers who were being face guarded by cornerbacks. The cornerbacks were not turning around. They just the wide receivers just weren't coming down with the, these footballs. And yeah. I mean, you kind of got to come down and help your freshman quarterback uh, grab those. All right, um, all right, Kevin. Let me turn it over to you and Matt to cover all of the headlines for today's games. Hello. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Well, we're not going to talk for another week and a half, probably. What? Why? What happened? I don't disagree with you on the playoffs thing. We're going to have a no, nice little chat no. about that. Oh, oh After yeah, next yeah, Saturday. Yeah. I, I don't even really consider that a game because it's ah. not really going to be one. But let's talk about the other team up north, and that is Sparty. They get spanked. Who wins the Heisman now that Walker has faltered? Well, I, I tweeted out when Stroud was going crazy. I think Stroud and, and Bryce Young, it's one of those guys. And I think that it's going to depend on how the season finishes. And if if, if Bryce and those guys go go off and, and they beat Georgia. So if, you, if you're looking at like that schedule, I think that Bryce would get it. I think if Stroud wins the Big Ten, I think he should get it. And they're both putting up video game numbers right now. Uh, they both are playing very well. I, I like it's either those two guys. Walker's not going to get it now. I, I, he'll get invited, but he's not going to get there. I think it's Stroud or Young. And to my, in my opinion, is this sucks to say. I mean, I love Bryce. I just don't. I don't know. Alabama's not that good, and I think Ohio State's going to win out. And I think that we always know winning is going to what matters. And so I, I think I'm going to lean Stroud uh, just because I think that they're the better team. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the winning part's going to matter. I think most Heisman votes don't have to be submitted until after the championship games, and yeah. I really think that that one will matter. 
I think Young should get it because he's putting up numbers similar to Stroud, if not better, and he doesn't have the weapons around him. I mean, no disrespect to Jamison Williams, uh, John Mechie, Brian Robinson. They're not JSN, Garrett Wilson, Travion Henderson, Chris Olave. I I mean, the weapons that Stroud has, and don't get me wrong, he's playing amazing. That's why I submitted my apology earlier. Uh, But I think Bryce Young, because of what you just mentioned, he's putting up those video game numbers too. And let's be honest, against better competition, some of the teams that he's had to play, Arkansas beats most of the teams in the Big Ten. LSU, even in a down year, beats most of the teams in the Big Ten right now. So I I think it should be Bryce Young's award, but I'm with you. If he loses to Georgia and Stroud goes out there and has a good day, he's likely going to get it. Let's continue talking about Stroud because coming into this year, not a lot of us thought that he was going to look as good as he has, and there was a lot of talk that Ewers was going to be the guy in 2022. Stroud, with the way he's played now, looks to be the future of Ohio State. So what happens with Quinn Ewers, Kyle McCord, and Jack Miller? Yeah, uh, you know, this is a tough question. I think, well, I think Miller is, I don't why do we put Miller on this list? Uh, I, I think he's gone. I mean, right? he was like, he's, a high four-star quarterback, I guess. You know, he's I, there, so. I guess. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll move Miller. I think McCord definitely transfers. I think that, I, I think he goes to LSU. So I think McCord may I go to it. LSU with every, whatever new coach comes. And maybe that's kind of like, the, I hope it's Aranda. I'm really pushing. I really want Aranda to get that job. Maybe they get a quarterback in there. And I think that would be a good fit because they need a quarterback. Uh, yours is an interesting one. I did see someone make the case today that he would stay. And then he would essentially just take over in 2022 after or after 2022 when Stroud leaves for the NFL. And I think that's a realistic scenario. Maybe I think if he was willing to stay, learn and then jump in there, he'll, he could play for a year and he could still be a top 10 pick if he played well. I know you know more about this, but I, I do know that he has struggled. I have heard that yours is not ready yet. So we obviously need to see him develop and do those type of things. If he stays, I think he could have a good development. I don't know why he would leave. If you have all that talent around you, unless you're super uber competitive and you want to go, but where's he going to go? Texas? Texas is bad. I mean, you could say you're the savior, but what, what, you got Xavier Worthy. You're not going to have any of the wide receivers that, that Ohio State has. And in, in two years, JSN might be gone, but those classes, Marvin Harrison Jr., Kojo, all these other guys that are coming in, like I would probably stay because that's going to benefit you the most. Yeah, I mean, I think McCord and Miller are both gone. Uh, that That's kind of the easy one. Ewers is definitely the interesting conversation here. I mean, there's a lot of rumors that he has been homesick and um, has not necessarily enjoyed being at Ohio State. With, with what you're talking about, him not being ready, I find it funny because Ryan Day is the one who's who's perpetrating that, right? Like, he, if you listen to Ryan Day's press conferences, anytime someone asks him about Quinn Ewers, he mentions, like, Quinn Ewers can't even find the bathroom at the athletic facility still. Like, that's what he says about the kid. But then the minute that Jack Miller gets his DUI and gets removed and Quinn Ewers is the third-string quarterback, all of a sudden, oh, well, he's really picked up the playbook. He's really looking good in practice. So I don't really know what's going on there. From everything I've read, he seems to be a a calm, cool, collected kid, but he has to be an uber competitor as well, especially playing down here in Texas. I mean, South Lake is – they treat – I live 15 minutes from South Lake. They treat South Lake High School like a college program. It's it's ridiculous. I – the homesick thing makes me think Texas, but I kind of agree with you. That's what I, I think I tweet, or me and Felix were talking about this in a, in a text 
text message thing earlier today. Is, Texas is so bad. I don't know that you would leave and go to Texas because if they weren't like less than whatever, I mean, they're not even 500. If they at least had like a winning record, I could see it. Hey, go in there. Cause a lot of people don't think Malik Murphy's ready. Get two years with Sark, this offense, you get Bijan for one, then Jadon blue comes in. I just, I, I don't see it. I, I mean, Ryan day has been considered this like, you know, quarterback guru. So I'm kind of with you. I think it's better for him to stay there, but it's going to be a very interesting storyline this entire yeah. off season. What happens? Cause if McCord and Miller do leave, which we both expect that pushes Ewers into that QB two, And then if he ends up leaving, you're going to put Ohio state in a situation they were in last year where it was, uh, Oh my God. Was it Gunner Hoke? I think was the backup to Justin Fields. So if <laughs> Justin Fields goes down, you're, you're screwed. Yeah. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, Bummer sooner. Caleb Williams. Felix talked about it a little bit here. He did not look great. I mentioned this Wednesday on Debbie Debate. I think we were a little too quick to say he's this great quarterback after a couple good games. What are your thoughts on him after him kind of struggling here the past couple weeks? Yeah, I think he's fine. I think it's the relevant of the team. I think they need to get a better scheme going in there. I would say, I will say, Lincoln Riley has not coached very well this season. So I do think he needs to get better there. I think Felix was on to something there. Uh, but realistically, I think he's still a second round super flex, probably startup. If you want to go with Caleb, I'm not drafting quarterbacks any high anymore. I'm done with that. But I would say like he's probably in that early second. I'd say he's probably if we did startup, let's say what we think is going to be gone. He's probably QB four, right? I would say Bryce. Obviously, you have Bryce in there. Um, I'm probably CJ's probably in there. Right, CJ's probably QB two right now. I would think he'd be. My, I mean, he's my QB two. I just did my rankings, and that's those are my top two because I had yeah. Williams at one. I think he's QB three though, and I think someone's going to take him in the first round. They're they're going to believe probably. My biggest thing, I think, I think Lincoln's leaving. And that's why I don't think he's been coaching as well. But we'll, we'll, we can save that for another time. Yeah, I, I just think we were a little too quick to crown him after two really good games coming in for what Spencer Rattler was playing poor. And all of a sudden, Oklahoma looked really good for two games. And everybody's like, oh, Kayla Williams, QB1. Uh, maybe we were a little too quick on that. We have to talk about this guy because of Felix. I really don't want to. Bayland, nah, me know. and you were kind of talking about this on Twitter and shooting this down. I'm, I'm assuming Felix didn't see this. Uh, Wisconsin is the land of milk and honey for RBs. Your thoughts on <laughs> Braylon Allen? Yeah, okay. So we, we had this conversation. I just think he's going to get overdrafted next year. I, I just don't want the value. I've seen this I've seen this movie before, and, and you made a good point about this too. Like, I don't want him on my roster because to me, I don't want to say he's like, uh, you know, when we looked at Lloyd uh, from South Carolina and these other guys, like they had a great year and, and, you know, that offensive line, like you pointed out is good. They lean the hell on their running backs. Uh, I know Graham Mertz was supposed to be paid man and he is not, he is like, he is Ryan leaf. And so when you're looking at kind of what's going on there with the, that quarterback situation, the volume is there for these guys. So they're going to be great college guys. I don't want anything to do with, with, uh, with Berger. I, I'm at, I'm not, not, I'm not, I'm actually not Berger, Braylon Allen. I don't like, I don't think that he's bad. I just think that he's way too overvalued and people are going to be drafting his ass probably at the end of the first round by like July. And I'm not going to do yeah, I think that's my biggest issue with him as well, is that he's just getting so much hype. He's going to be that guy that jumps into the first or second round. You know, for those who don't know, he was a linebacker, transitioned to running back. He's only like 17 years old. But again, everybody's pointing out that he's gone seven straight games of over 100 yards. 
Name me like a top 60 rushing yeah. defense they played in those seven games. They have not been good. Wisconsin has one of the best running, one of the best offensive lines. As you mentioned, they lean on their running backs. They have to because Graham Mertz couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. Dude falls out of a boat, doesn't even hit water. He finds a way to hit dry land in the middle of the Atlantic. It's ridiculous. They have to rely on Braylon Allen because that's all they have. I just, I'm, I'm not going to anoint him the next Jonathan Taylor, the next best no. Wisconsin back because he's had six good games. Did the same thing with DJ last year. Did the same thing with Caleb Williams this year. We're, we're, we get too quick to judge these guys after a couple good games. Let's let defenses look at him now. Granted, I'll give him the dude looks built like a shit brick house. I mean, it, it or brick shit house, however, the, however you say that term. <laughs> he is. I would be terrified if he was running at me, but I'm I'm a little bit worried to just anoint him as a first or second round pick uh, yeah. in C2C drafts next year. Last but not least, Oregon goes down, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, I believe, with everybody, but just wanted to touch on the playoff races now wide open. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, I think, are both still in it. Uh, because they play each other this week in Bedlam. They've got the Big 12 championship, so they still got it. And the team that Cincinnati beat in Notre Dame, I think still has a chance to jump back in it if they continue to go undefeated. Just your really quick thoughts on on that, and we'll jump into the panel discussion. No, yeah, you know, in my opinion, I think Ohio State deserves to go to two. And so I think it should be Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Cincinnati. I think that's how it should look right now. I don't know if it will, but I think that's how it goes. I think Michigan will probably get to five, which they shouldn't be at five, but we'll get into that later. And then Notre Dame's going to pop up there too. So I do think that you're looking at – they're just going to be playing out of there. I, I don't want to see Notre Dame again, though. That's the one thing I don't want to see. I don't need to see them get their ass kicked again. I don't want to see Cincinnati either, but I'd rather see Cincinnati get their ass kicked instead of Notre Dame. Uh, I agreed. But, agreed. Cincinnati will lose by 50 to Georgia, Matt. You know, I don't think that they will. Maybe I'm buying too much into that Peach Bowl game last year, but I, you know, I think they're going to put up a better game than Notre Dame has. I, I'm, I, I'm Desmond Ritter's not going to win it for him. I will give everybody that. But that defense is a lot better than people give it credit for, and I don't think Georgia's offense is as good as we think it is. I think we're going to see how good that Georgia offense really is when they get to play Bama here in a couple weeks. But let's uh, that that's enough for the headlines here. Let's bring Felix and Colin back in here as we talk about the panel discussion. So Austin's not here, and I'm well. No, Colin's well, the best well, guy. So let's let Colin do it. Well, he that's not true. That's not true. Um, Colin, since uh, Matt and Kevin are hey just hate Braylon Allen haters, <laughs> just absolute Braylon Allen haters. They don't like. Six foot two, two hundred forty pound running backs who can run, who can beat defensive backs on seventy five yard touchdowns. Who for you stood out uh, in today's games? Well, did you hear Braylon Allen's only seventeen years old? Did you hear seventeen that? years old? I mean, should be in high school. But um, so one of the guys that stood out. There's, there's definitely a couple candidates here on this one, but one of the guys that stood out to me was Bo Collins. Like I talked about a little bit earlier here. Um, He's just really been turning it on lately. I mean, in the past three games, six for 104 and one, five for 40 and one, but that was against UConn that game. Clemson thought so little of that game that they didn't even start uh, Will Shipley or Kobe Pace that week. Uh, and then this week, four for 137 and one. We know the rest of these wide receivers in this room just really aren't it. Justin Ross injured again, disappointing all year. Joe Nada and Frank Ladson Jr., not it, a Joe, a Joe, all three of those guys 
People were touting them up this offseason. They've all fallen flat on their face. And it's been the Collins duo uh, of Dakari and Bo. But Bo is the one who would be the biggest stock up for me. Yeah, I was watching DJ Uyunglele studying his last year's tape and um, the a few games this year, including Georgia. And one thing I know, he does not like hanging on to the ball at all. And the passes that I saw from uh, for Bo Collins today were passes where you know it's two two three step drop and then and let it go. And so um, I don't know, maybe Bo Collins. I mean, because Bo Collins played with him in high school, maybe allegedly they have um, uh, uh, some sort of, of connection. I got to highlight Milton Wright here. Milton Wright from Louisville uh, Christian uh, Christian Academy of Louisville. Um, Went off today. <laughs> went off for two hundred and what eighteen yards, three touchdowns, um, eight for eight for two thirteen and three. Um, I have been looking at players or who are going to be my guys for twenty twenty two, and I think Milton Wright is. He was already on my list of guys that I was considering, and he goes off today. We've had Rondell Moore there. We've had David Bell there. And Milton Wright is absolutely the next up. He has the requisite size. He has a track background. He played quarterback in high school. Um, This is a smart kid who is playing in an offense that could utilize his strengths in that system. I mean, when it comes to – I I still think that he's a little bit off the radar. He's probably someone you could get in, what, in like the 20th round of a startup next year? And if he puts up, you know, the st- the numbers that that number one wide receiver has in the past, he's going to be a really, really good value for players in C2Cs next year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've seen um, Purdue wide receivers produce year in and year out multiple different ones. So why not Milton Wright is the next guy up? Yeah, speaking of uh, of my guys, Felix, that you just talked about, I mentioned this guy's my guy segment uh, when we did our Debbie Debate show on Wednesdays, and that's Brent Keithy out of uh, uh, Utah, the tight end. He showed out tonight in primetime. I mean, 118 yards receiving. Uh, he had a really big block against a defensive end that set up Rising's rushing touchdown. Uh, McBride is probably the top tight end in this class right now. Dude had like a 70.4 dominator rating last year, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but I, I think he really can slide into the second or third tight end of this class. And no, we're not really talking about him. I mean, right now, if you just look at the, the dominator rating for him, uh, Deese is sitting there 27.5, Dolchich at 25.47, McBride this year 25.5, Kolar. 24.7 and then Keithy comes in there right there top five I think he's a really good receiving tight end but he's also a very good blocker he's a little bit undersized at 6'2", 230 but he's I think a tight end or the way the NFL is shifting towards some of these tight ends I, I think he could get a be- little bit better draft capital than people will think and, and end up being one of those guys who produces maybe not year one, but year two that you could get as a steal in your rookie draft. So he's a guy that I think is stock up. And we don't really talk a lot about tight ends. It's usually quarterbacks, right. running backs, and wide receivers. But, you know, tight ends are people too. And and I think he could be uh, interesting for the NFL. And they're, they're necessary. I mean, you need to have an advantage at that, at that position. Uh, I started Elijah Arroyo in one league all year because I did not have a better tight end. Elijah Arroyo had like, five catches on the season um kevin anybody <laughs> who uh stock up or stock down for you to, uh, today in c2c's yeah i'll uh I'll, well first i'll say uh bo collins is one of my guys too i really like him and to to collins point is that i don't i looked at clemson's recruiting class recently and they don't have no wide receivers yet 
by coming in. So they have a couple that are pretty close, but I, I'm a big on there. Uh, now, the guy I'm going to shout out is a guy that's leading me to the championship today of the program, and that's my boy Lou Nichols, uh, the third. And I, he, it happened a while ago, but that dude has just been balling. Uh, and I mean, he's probably ran for almost 100 carries almost the last three games. So he definitely is pretty close, uh, but over 15 yard, yard, 1500 yards rushing, 14 touchdowns. He also has 261 yards, uh, you know, receiving. But this week against Ball State, 219 yards of three touchdowns. Uh, and he's he scored 11 touchdowns the last four games. So that kid is the kid is good. He could actually come out this year. He's 5'10, 220. He's big. Uh, I'd rather have him than Braylon Allen. I want to talk about Jordan Addison. That's yeah. that's crazy. Um, I'm just joking. I'm not you. In there, who Kevin, told me like just... who did you say was better than Zach Evans at one time? I'm just I, like I what? I'm like what did he Brandon just say? Thomas. <laughs> like, Brandon Thomas. <laughs> Brandon Thomas out of Memphis better than Zach Evans. Really quick, uh, Felix. Before we talk about Jordan Addison, I want to ask uh, Kevin if he doesn't come out, where where do you think Nichols goes in C2C drafts this year, or this in oh, startups? Too high. <laughs> it's going to be the same thing as like that ADP value bump. Uh, but I think he'll probably go what round eight to ten in that area, probably. That's what we said on Debbie debate. So I was curious yeah, if you okay. if you agreed with that. That's probably where I put him. Uh, Jordan Addison, two hundred yard receiving today, three touchdowns. He absolutely killed me today in a league where I'm scared to even look at the score because I don't want to see how poorly I, I lost by to Mike Bain- Bainbridge. So I have not looked at that score all day. He started both Jordan Addison and he had the Addison picket stack. Um, we we've known about Jordan Addison for a while. Uh, uh, Brian Chacoach's Dynasty Tools on Twitter. He was one of. Um, his favorites when he was a freshman. Addison came in as a safety, I believe, and switched to wide receiver athlete designation. This is the problem that I've always had with Jordan Addison is I do not know what his calling card is. Is it his speed? I don't think so. Is he a contested catcher? No, I don't think so. Um, Is he some twitchy, particularly twitchy wide receiver? I don't think so. I know that he's been productive, but what makes me feel all warm and fuzzy about scouting a player is when I can say, all right, this is the thing that they can do that they can take from college to the NFL with Ramondre Stevenson. He had excellent hands. He's a dump truck. He can win with a, 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 a looseness. Somebody like um, we're talking about wide receivers, somebody like uh, Garrett Wilson, very, very twitchy. Uh, same thing for Jalen Tolbert. I'm like, okay, this is something that they can take from college to the NFL. I just, I don't, I don't, know what tools and that that, it's not to say that he doesn't have them it's just that when I watch Jordan Addison I don't necessarily see what his calling card is do do you all see something different uh, with his game Uh, well I mean I, I I agree with you I don't know what he does well except for he produces so it's weird when you watch him play you're like Hey, he gets open, but is he very good route runner? I don't know. I, you know, Jared Back has told me route running is um, overrated, so now I'm worried about my life because he ruined my my scouting. Uh, and then you have his – he can catch, though. I think the one thing that I, you watch, and he has great hands, uh, and he can go up and get it. I do think he loses focus sometimes, uh, especially on his routes. When I watch him sometimes, you can see him kind of go away. He's, he's pretty creative, though, on broken plays. They do that a lot, Pitt does, and especially mm-hmm. Pickett's ability to escape the pocket. So I do think he thinks the game pretty well. I don't know. I'd rather have Quentin Johnson, wouldn't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Quentin Johnson is a, 
I mean, he can do the contested catches. He's six foot four, and he's not just a contested catcher. He can actually run up after the catch, which is which is something that you do not see with yeah. wide receivers of that size. He can beat you deep. I mean, it's I mean, it, it's no question uh, for me. That I, I just asked that because I see people chatting Addison now. I was like, wide receiver three, why? And I'm just like, listen, let's chill. Like, I mean, yeah. he can produce in a great offense, but I, I, I'm out on that. I just don't see yeah. that. I think Quentin Johnson is is way better than that. I, I I agree with that because I can I can see what tools Johnston has that will translate to the NFL. Let's talk a little bit about and Colin. I want to ask you this question: um, Caleb Williams, CJ Stroud. Caleb, CJ. There's something about CJ Stroud that is boring when he's throwing these screens behind the line of scrimmage. When he's throwing to wide receivers that have no one around him. He's not a player that runs the ball. He's, like, not sexy at all. I mean, he is like Kirk Cousins, it feels like. Um, I mean, that level of sex appeal. That aside, that aside, <laughs> aesthetics aside, who who is the, the quarterback that you would rather have right now? Is it the Caleb Williams who's on a two-week cold streak but has, you know, some of these more uh, sexier tools? Or is it C.J. Stroud who all he does is just put up numbers in Ryan Day's system? So I think these guys are both very, very similar right now in that you're hanging a lot of their value on their college production. Um <laughs> That was Austin. Yeah, sorry. Um, Yeah, so you're hanging a lot of their value on their college production. Now, C.J. Stroud's doing it all through the air. Caleb Williams is doing a lot of it through the ground, except for these past two weeks. Um, I don't feel great about their prospects moving to the NFL right now. So I think these guys are both candidates going to be overdrafted here uh, in this upcoming year. Now, if you make me pick between one or the other – I think I'm going to go with CJ Stroud. I like him better as a passer. He does also bring an element with his legs as well. We haven't really seen it much this year, but we saw it last year on that long touchdown run. So he, we know he can do it. Um, So I would take CJ Stroud there in this one. But again, I think a lot of, I don't feel great about either of them projecting to the NFL right now, despite them coming from big programs and they'll both get good draft capital. Yeah, I I agree. Sorry, I, agree I was just going to say if I had to compare them to blue, ch- if I had to compare them to stocks, I would say neither one of these, neither one of these guys have have reached the level of being blue chip stocks. Like we're still, you know, we're not putting all of our eggs, I think, in either of these baskets. As good as C.J. Stroud has been, and as good as Caleb Williams was in the middle of the season. I still think, you know, we're uh, we're still in a wait and see mode with these guys. And so all that means is is we're not if we have the 1 through 5 in uh Campus Canton Startups next year, we're not drafting these guys. Now we might take them in the second or third round. But all, all that means is we're, you know, we're going to go with some uh players who have kind of uh, established a better track record. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, so I would say I agree with Colin. I think it's actually CJ Stroud fairly easily for me. And I, I take him over Caleb Williams because Ryan Day, I think, over the past couple of years has proved he's a little bit better offensively than Lincoln Riley. And I don't think that's unfair to say with what we've seen, especially this year with CJ. I mean, look at what CJ was earlier in the season and how he's developed him. 
We never saw, saw that kind of arc from Spencer Rattler or Caleb Williams, so I think it's fair to say both of those were high, higher rated than C.J. Stroud. And look at the way C.J. Stroud's developed. On top of that, you expect him then to continue producing again next year like he is this year. Looking at the 2023 class, who who who's going to jump him? Maybe Anthony Richardson. It, you know, there's a lot of rumors now that he may transfer. He, well, he's got the athletic upside. I see you shaking your head, Colin. He's got the athletic upside. If he can, if he can throw a little bit, goes to a, a system that helps him out. Realistically, though, you're looking at that, so he's going to get some kind of NFL draft capital. You're talking about the 2023 draft class. And you got Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. The 2024 class, like Caleb Williams, sits at the top right now. But you got Quinn Ewers, Tyler Buckner, Jackson Dart, Drake May. I still think Kyle McCord's going to be good. J.J. McCarthy. Ty Thompson, you've got a lot of quarterbacks we have not seen really play yet that I think could easily jump Caleb Williams. Yeah, Sam Heward. There's a lot of quarterbacks I think could easily jump Caleb Williams next year if they go out there and start playing well. So I think I'd bet on C.J. Stroud because of that. I think the production he'll get next year and the more than likely top-end draft capital compared to we've seen Caleb Williams have two good games, two bad games. Is, Is he this year's DJU? I think there's a realistic shot that he is. Uh, wow, that I don't know. That Stroud is, or that Williams is. That Williams is. I, I think we were so quick to rate DJU so highly because of what he did. Realistically, in one game, it was against Notre Dame because he wasn't that good. It was a pit, I think. Right? He was okay mm-hmm. in that pit game. He was not great. He was good against Notre Dame. And the same thing with Caleb Williams. He had two good games. He has not looked that good. And I know he had his hand stepped on. But that he was playing poorly before he had his hand stepped on and got pulled out of the game and then came back in. Like he is not looking now. If he goes out there next week in Bedlam and lights it up and does so again in the Big Twelve Championship game, I will retract that statement. But I, I just I think we were. I, so I don't want to raise red flags back. here. I mean, Caleb Williams has Lincoln Riley behind him. That's a there's a school that's been that has developed quarterbacks as good as Clemson has has been. Um, it seems like those guys. I don't know that how much development that they've done with 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 their QBs. I mean, yeah, you know, Lincoln Riley had a transfer, a walk on uh, that he turned into a number one pick. So, um, all right. Um, anything else there? Any, anything else before we check in on the games that might still be going on? I think right. we uh, we got this comment in the chat a couple times, and I definitely think it's something worth bringing up. Is Donovan Edwards uh, his massive receiving day? Ten catches, a hundred yards. What? I mean, that went straight past <laughs> me. Wow. <laughs> yeah, ten ten catches for a hundred yards. I mean, he only had a couple of carries there, but one of the things that you know he really hung his hat on as a recruit was his receiving ability. I believe twenty four seven comped him to Alvin Kamara. So, you know, Hassan Haskins likely gone after this year. They're going to need somebody else in there with uh, Blake Corum. I think he could have a, a really nice year next year. Yeah, and I, I love to see it because I was shit on all season about having him so highly as one of our freshmen. Not by me, man. By who? I know. We I didn't say by you. By me. A, everybody else was like, I don't know that you were, Felix. I'll give you that. I don't think that you were. Uh, you were, But I'm almost positive Colin wasn't that high on him. Austin wasn't that high on him. I even brought up. I think it was Alan True who wrote it up as well. I was like, yes, I don't know that did. I see Kamara out of him, but that's who he comes to, and I trust Alan. And everybody else like, no, nope, no shot. Donovan Edwards, not that good. Hashtag not good Matt football. Loves, Matt loves to play the victim here. I don't I recall ever saying Donovan Edwards was bad. Oh, I'm pretty oh, sure hey, I had him as my RB like I will happily go class. look that up tonight before I go to bed. Please because I've sent, I've sent Felix and Austin some receipts in our text message threads about some shit. 
Trust me, I keep them. All I got to do is go to my notes thread and find out where some people said something. I'll pull it if for you. Can, you. Yeah, if you can find it on me, if you can find it on me saying that, please pull it up. Please pull the receipts. We'll You're going to be looking it. It was night. probably Austin. This whole time I'm trashing yeah. you, it was probably Austin. Austin doesn't like any prospect. Austin doesn't like anybody. <clears throat> Except for money. That That's what he likes. Austin <laughs> likes money. All right. Um, Donovan Edwards, West Bloomfield High School. That's where I'll be at for uh, Thanksgiving. Um West Bloomfield High School stand up. All right, let's turn it uh, over to uh, Colin and Kevin for the left coast check-in. Kevin, uh, we got a couple games going on out here right now. The uh, LSU UL Monroe one's just about to wrap up, but how are these other games looking out there? Yeah, so UNL uh, Monroe and LSU. So LSU just won 27-14. Just talk about it real quick. Max Johnson, two touchdowns, 319 yards. He looked great against UL Monroe. Congratulations, Max Johnson. Uh, and then, hey, Tyron Davis-Price. We had a Tyron Davis-Price uh, signing, 21 carries, 82 yards there. Uh, Receiving-wise, Malik Neighbors, four catches, 143 yards and a touchdown. Brian Thomas Jr., four catches, uh, 61 yards and a touchdown. So you've seen some good things there. I don't think Trey Palmer is going to be good, Colin. Uh, I, I think I'm off the Trey Palmer, Palmer uh, the train finally. One catch, seven yards, baby. Um, all right. I'm, the, I'm not going to talk about the other side. They they won. They lost. <laughs> uh, there's, there's no one over there. I'm, yeah, there's no one over there uh, worth mentioning on that side. Uh, I do know that New Mexico State just finished this game. It was a blowout against Boise State. Uh, Boise State won 37-0. to uh, Khalil Shakur, you know, senior night, seven catches, 116 yards and a touchdown. He continues to be of value. I have him in all most of my C2C leagues. He's he just been producing. Uh, if he doesn't get 15 points, he has a very safe floor. It's usually just a terrible game. He looked great. Holani had 14 carries, 114 yards. You know, I shit on Holani like, I don't know, six weeks ago. And ever since then, he's slowly been waking up a little bit, but he's still not a Debbie asset. But It'll be interesting to see if he comes back next year. Hank Bachmeyer did okay. One touchdown, one interceptions there. New Mexico might be the worst team I've ever seen. Uh, they had 18 yards passing. And other than that, there was nothing to tie. New Mexico is not very good. Uh, probably going to be part of the new uh, Conference USA pretty soon. Uh, all right. Arizona State is playing Oregon right now. Uh, Arizona State is down. Or excuse me, Oregon State is down 17-0 to to Oregon State. Uh, Herma Edwards might be this tenure might be coming to an end. Uh, I don't know if necessarily they should have been way better this year. Jane Daniels, eight for 14, 90 yards interception, and he has 38 yards rushing. You know, but to be honest about uh, Jaden Daniels, I expected more from him uh, this year, and he just has not produced. And I think that's one of the biggest what ifs because he was so talented his freshman year, just hasn't got, gone out of there. Rushing wise, Rashad White. You know, 11 carries, 36 yards, uh, hasn't looked great. Uh, Tramon's there, three carries, 11 yards. Jane Daniels, six carries, 38 yards, pretty much there. They really had nothing there. Rashad Wade has had four catches, 69 yards in the receiving game. So on that side, you liked it. I think he is one of the best receiving backs in, the, in, in, in college football. Him and Keontae Ingram, I think both of those guys are there. Uh, and then Oregon State. You know, they're just kind of winning this game based on their defense is holding uh, Arizona State down. Chance Nolan, 66 yards, a touchdown. DJ Baylor has 14 carries, 89 yards. Uh, but a lot of these guys, they play for Oregon State. I don't know how many. Do you have any rostered Oregon State players, Colin? Just BJ Baylor, uh, and he was just a waiver ad. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know, not, not, not the greatest there. And then the last game of the night that we got going on right now is Colorado State versus Hawaii. 
Uh, Hawaii's winning 22 to 10. Uh, and you know what? Shavon Cordero came back. He's looked great. 18 or 15 for 24, 248 yards and a touchdown. And he also has 47 yards rushing and a touchdown. And Cordero is one of those guys I really like. And I, and I always tout him there. Uh, Zion Bowens, five catches, 168 yards, a touchdown. Calvin Turner Jr. has not had a great game. Four catches, 22 yards. On the other side, Colorado State, you know, Tossin Teo, 10 for 18, 156 yards and a touchdown. Cameron Butler had a big catch, one catch, 69 and a touchdown. Trey McBride has kept one catch of 12 yards. So big Trey McBride, some people's tied in one. Not having a great game. He's definitely hurting some C2C people out there because they probably needed him to have a good game. Yeah, uh, really the only guys at Colorado State you're relying on, Trey McBride and David <laughs> Bailey. And yeah. hopefully you weren't riding either of them tonight. Um, and I know you mentioned um, Shakir having a big day. I just want to ask you real quick here. Um, you said he's been consistent all year. He definitely yeah. has been. He's likely to come out, I believe, this year. Did he already say he was coming out? See one of the ones that announced? He, I'm not I think sure. He, I I don't know. I've, I'm pretty sure it's like a foregone conclusion. He celebrated yeah. senior night tonight. Right. He has to come out, like because I mean, he's already hit that age. He's pretty. I think he's 20, 21, going on twenty two, pretty close. Like he's been Something there for like a that. while. Yep. I thought I he was going to come out last year. Yeah, and I know he is in the senior bowl, but I, and there's the weird COVID year too, so it's yeah. hard to say who's coming out, who's not. If he does come out this year, what kind of draft capital do you think he's looking at? he's a tough one. Uh, I do like him. I, I do like where he goes on a, he plays on the outside and he, I think he can play in the middle of the slot. I think he can play inside outside and be that guy. I think he's going to be a slot receiver in NFL. I get worried about drafting guys like that. I, you know what? I think his ceiling is the third round. I think if he did draft in the third round, that would be like, wow, pretty good. I still think he might be a fourth round guy. It just depends on how he, I think it just depends on the testing numbers. I think his testing number is going to be completely important. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I just I like his versatility too. So I, I think he can be a fancy asset at the next level. But what his ceiling is there, I'm not not entirely yeah, sure. His last game. Uh, yeah, we got some confirmation. He said it's his last game. Matt's also in the chat here saying if you go to the Senior Bowl, you do have to leave college. So that is good to know on that front. All right, this is where we go to catch all since Colin wasn't throwing us to that. The game is this week. I'll throw it to these Michigan fans who probably think they've got a shot in this game. Kevin, how does Michigan beat the Ohio State this weekend? Okay, listen here. Okay, I, I don't necessarily think they're going to win, but if they if I had to create a game plan, it would basically they need to lean on their rushing attack and they have to keep that offensive. They have to keep that offense off the field. They have to keep Ohio State's offense from exploding. And they've got to keep that game dirty in the 20s. And they got to score at least 30 points, I would say, 31-24. Hope that C.J. Stroud throws a couple interceptions. They, You know who the key is going to be is Henderson. Henderson's going to be the key. Can we stop him and then make sure they do that? Our corners are not very good. It's going to be a struggle. I don't think we have a shot. Uh, but if basically, if we create turnovers, that's fine. I know our defense has looked good this year. Ohio State's just on a different level. They always have been. So as much as I hate Ohio State, it's going to be a very tough game. I mean, Michigan did just put up, what was it, 59, 56? Against Maryland. Maryland. Against Maryland. Maryland. It's Maryland. I mean, that's fine. But that's – I don't know. I, I think that we our lack of weapons on the outside – It'd be nice if we had Xavier Worthy, 
but if we don't, so, you know, if we, if we could have those weapons and do those things, I think we could, we could compete with them, but I, I just don't see us competing. Kevin, Kevin, this can happen. All right. So uh, it reminds me of that uh, New England Patriots team that took on the New York Giants. The way that you beat a team like this is your defensive line has to dominate with four. Your defensive line has to dominate with four, and they've got the guys to the horses to do it. Aiden Hutchinson is allegedly a top 10 draft pick. Um, Their defensive line has been one of the highest graded defensive lines, according to Pro Football Focus. If they can rush with four and commit the rest of their guys to coverage, because you have to cover those. I mean, they've got three guys who might be taken in the first round between Olave, Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigger. Then you can win. Then you can win because you just change the math on defense. You have to be able to put pressure and preferably put pressure right up the middle on C.J. Stroud without blitzing. Then you can win. If they can't do that, if he's getting five, six, seven seconds to throw the ball, it's going to be a long, long day. If Michigan is going to pull this one off, and it's at the big house. It's at the big house. um, That's how they're going to win. Yep, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, I feel like I've been saying this every single week and it's not happened, but I actually think this could be a closer game. Um, I'm curious to see what the line drops at. I don't know that it'll drop until like Monday. But Hutchinson, and who's the other defensive end that you guys have that, I mean, they're both very good. I can't think of what his name is off the top of my head right now. But the Buckeyes just lost Harry Miller. He, he's gone off that offensive line. The one thing I'll say about Stroud, we have not seen him get pressured in weeks. The last time we saw him really get pressured was back in the Oregon and Tulsa games, and we saw that the kind of quarterback he was then, he he forced throws and made turnovers like you were just talking about, Kevin. That's what that, that team needs to do. So I, I do think if they can get to him and pressure him a little bit and force him to make mistakes, that it could be a very good game. I mean, if they keep running the ball and keep that offense off the field, I agree with you. But the, the difference will be, can they get those quick strikes like they did against Michigan State today? Because that that will be the big thing. I think that game really turned when Michigan State had that fumbled and they were able to throw the one pass to Garrett Wilson for like a 60-yard touchdown and put him up 21 nothing. I think that's kind of what effectively ended that. If Michigan can kind of answer them early on and, and then cause some issues for C.J. Stroud, I do think that they have a chance to win the game. And I, I do think it's going to be a very good one. I, they typically play each other close. We don't really get these 56-something blowouts we had a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, For all the crap I like to give Jim Harbaugh, he seems to – to keep these games fairly close, which is probably why I think for the fired, record, right? I think that I think that Michigan still has the overall winning record on the. Um, they do. Uh, they yeah, do on the on the. Five. The There's no way we're gonna win, guys. So six. <laughs> is it six? <laughs> it's technically seven in the record book since whatever season doesn't count for Ohio State now because of Tattoo Gate or whatever when they won. But so I think it's <laughs> technically seven in the record books. But whatever. All right, Cincinnati's playoff outlook. Uh, Thanks Kevin for not coming this. to me, by the way, about that. I hate both of those teams. I didn't want to talk about either of them. I know. That's why I didn't really care. To no, I appreciate it. On it. The, the Penn State. Facts about Ohio State, one of the most polluted states in the in the continental United States, the most obese state in the, in the United States, and uh, one of the ugliest states in the United States. So, uh, oh, comments. Any comments? Would you like to add anything while we're here? 
Nope. No? All right, cool. <laughs> Cincinnati, the playoff outlook. Uh, Kevin and I talked about this earlier. Still believe Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Notre Dame are still in this. Some believe Alabama will be, even if they lose to Georgia, if it's a close game. Cincinnati likely is going to go undefeated. They get East Carolina in rivalry week here in week 13. Then they do get Houston in the AAC championship game, likely. Houston undefeated uh, and, and has looked decent at times. Colin, I'll come to you first here. What are your thoughts about Cincinnati and their playoff outlook? Well, um, you, you like to hype up as, as the biggest Cincinnati fan here, but back in May, I put a bet on them to uh, make the playoff and win the national title. So I am also on the San, uh, the Cincinnati bandwagon. I, 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 th- I like this team a lot. They were really scrappy last year. They did not lose very many pieces. They took that Georgia team to the wire. Uh, with JT Daniels at quarterback, who I'm, I still believe is a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett, despite what we saw this year. Um, so I, I like Cincinnati a lot. I think, you know, with um, with Oregon going down today, it's they control their own destiny. I think so. I've, you got to get through the East Carolina, Houston's probably going to be Houston, but if they can do that, I, I think they're in. All right, Felix, any thoughts on this since me and Kevin talked about it before we go to preview week 13? Yeah, I, I, I my question is, is would I rather see Oklahoma? Oklahoma's not going to get in the playoff. Does Cincinnati have a shot? They're going to be playing Georgia. They're going to be playing Georgia. I just want to see a good game. I don't want to see blowouts in the playoff. And, and um, you know, but, but quite frankly – if, if we're going to see a team like, for example, UTSA get into the playoff, well, then in, in some subsequent year, because it's not going to happen this year, then we need to let Cincinnati in now. But for one of these G5 teams to really have credibility, we pretty much have to see a G5 team not only get in it, but then win the championship so that people can stop questioning it in the future. And it's not going to happen this year. Like this year, they're going to get steamrolled by Georgia. And so it's really unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I think that some of those old Boise State teams could have made uh, made a, a, a game. But I don't know that, that this, this particular Cincinnati team is the one to do it. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – they're not as good as last year's team. I'll say that. But – why do we just overlook the Peach Bowl game last year where, where Georgia had a better team? And I know that they gave the same old spiel that they weren't really, they didn't really care or whatever, and they didn't turn it on until the second half. But Cincinnati still hung with them and had a chance to win that game. I don't think Cincinnati gets blown out. I'm not saying Cincinnati would beat Georgia, but I don't think that they would lose 50 something to 10 like Notre Dame has to Alabama the past couple times they've got in. I think they could keep it to like a 10 to 14 game. And that's a game. It may not be Cincinnati wins it, but I think they could keep it a game. I think you're missing the point that they didn't have QB one Stetson Bennett on their roster. They didn't start him last year. And he's looked better than JT Daniels. I mean, if you're going to be honest, and I think that rushing attack is better this year. I think they're deeper. And so I I think they're just going to run it down Cincinnati's throw. And if George Pickens comes back, then we're going to be talking about something a little different. Yeah, I, I don't think since he gets blown out, but I think I, I do think if they get Georgia that they would get beat. You know, it's probably like a two score game, maybe right. so 10 to 14. That's not a is bad there, game, though. That's better than what we've gotten in that first round. 10 to 14 is not two score. Yeah, it is seven. And, 
seven or you're points saying, and three. You're saying they lose. You're saying they lose. How's that by not two that? scores? I thought you were saying yeah, yeah. I'm saying, oh, yeah, I'm saying they lose 14. by yeah. I'm saying they lose okay. by ten to fourteen points. So okay. two scores, a field goal, okay. and a touchdown. I got last it. last yeah. last I counted. I could be wrong there, but <laughs> I, I yeah. I just I'm just saying. I think all right. Well, enough arguing about Cincinnati. We've got plenty of time for that. Uh, Colin and Kevin, thank you guys so much for joining us today. I guess it's me and Felix now to give you guys a preview of Week 13. Yeah, we're gonna wrap up here. Uh, Matt, we talked about the game uh, rivalry rivalry week. Ole Miss at Mississippi State Thursday. Ole Miss at Mississippi State Friday is a loaded, loaded uh, slate of games um, after Thanksgiving. You can just turn on the TV and watch college football all day. The Iron Bowl, Ohio State uh, at Michigan. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be an exciting week next week. And I, I love this time of year for college football because I actually get to go rewatch games and target specific players. What are you looking forward to next week? Uh, I mean, the game that I'm most looking forward to is probably Bedlam because I still don't think Oklahoma and Oklahoma state are out of it right now. And, yeah. and if, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma wins, they likely will get a chance to rematch each other in the Big 12 championship game. And if they win both those games, we've seen the committee does not want to put Cincinnati in. I think that gives one of those teams the edge, especially Oklahoma State. I know they had the bad loss to Iowa State, but if they're able to beat Oklahoma twice, that's a major feather in your cap because although Oklahoma hasn't played that well, they're still considered a a high-end program. So I'm looking forward to that game. That offense can Lincoln Riley get Caleb Williams and that offense humming against one of the better defenses in the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it too. Um, Mike Gundy, you got to give him credit for what he's been able to do without Chuba Hubbard, without uh, 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 the wide receiver who got drafted by the Ravens, whose name always escapes me. Um, and uh, they have looked, they've looked okay. I do not like what they're doing with Brennan Presley effectively turning into him into a part-time punt returner, but that running game uh, is, is firing on all cylinders. That is going to be it for us. Make sure that you tune in next week. We are coming to the close of the season. Probably just have a few shows left, but you are going to want to join us next week as we take you from coast to coast. Good night, America.